New Testament, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We've been there already once this year with our theme, and tonight we're going to begin something that we're going to continue on throughout the rest of this year. And uh, uh, boy, that's quite an undertaking when you begin looking at something that you hope to stay in throughout the entire year, but I believe this will be the will of God that we do just that on what we're going to look at tonight. Tonight I want to introduce that to you, Ephesians chapter 4, and when you find it, let's go ahead and stand together as we look down to verse 11 Again, I know we've been there, but tonight I'm going to begin going into great detail and uh, excited about the message we're going to share with you. I hate a lot of our people are out tonight as we introduce this, but pray they go back and listen to that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Watch closely. The Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, verse 13 is kind of our key text throughout this year. The Bible says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the, of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's just stop there and pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it now, I pray, Lord, to accomplish what you send it to in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look down at this passage tonight, there's something I want to draw a contrast and comparison to that I think we will all agree with here. Can we agree tonight that as we look at the world we're living in, and I'm not just talking about Hattiesburg, I'm talking about the entire world, the United States of America, the United States government, and even as we cross the oceans to foreign countries, we look at a world that is spiraling toward confusion. Can we agree with that? It's just everywhere, all right? I, I had lunch with a pastor from another state today, and he was sharing with me about some of the burdens he has in his church. I spoke with another pastor today on the phone from Iowa and shared me with some of the burdens that he has and needs that are there. It's amazing that so many things we're all dealing with, uh, the rest of the world is dealing with too. As Satan seeks to do what only Satan can do, and that is bring great confusion upon our world. Think about it tonight. Some of the hottest topics politically in the United States of America go back to the root of confusion. Think about as we fight over marriage and defining marriage between a man and a woman. Satan would like to confuse that, would he not? And now you have marriage between a man and a woman and a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And, and after a while, I promise you, before too terribly long, you'll even have weddings between adults and children. It's just part of the degradation and perversion of the society we're living in. All right, perversion doesn't stop, and perversion doesn't say, you know what, we've gone far enough. No, perversion likes to go as far as it can go. So don't be surprised what you see happening in our country. It's all part of the confusion. You look at the home today. The home has been redefined and redefined and redefined so many times, it's not, we're not even sure what a home is anymore. Why? Because Satan, the author of confusion, has gone in and perverted what God had established as the home. All right? That's what Satan does very well. You look at genders today. Uh, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to preach in a hard to you tonight. I just want to get this open to you so you'll see how God wants us to respond as the church. You look at genders today and how many genders there are. The other day, I was filling out an online application for something. I can't remember, recall what it was. And uh, it had gender and there was the M for male and the, the F for female. And then there were several more. That's one of the first times I have seen several more. At the very bottom, it says, I'd rather not say. Uh, if you did not want to declare what you were, uh, you, you were able just to say, I would rather not say what I am. What is happening? 
It's confusion. Where God had once defined man and woman, now we have confused it. That's what man does well. We confuse things, all right? Uh, it's like me giving directions sometimes. It can be confusing. I was so thankful, Miss Angel. I saw you walk in here a minute ago. Where are you at uh, tonight? Miss Angel, good to see you. She's been playing nurse. We're glad to have her tonight. Uh, I was in the hospital yesterday trying to find Brother Joe. And Miss Angel sent me directions. I was a little bit skeptical, to be honest with you, as I was walking through the halls of merit. Would you believe I took directions from a lady and found exactly where I needed to go? Amen, right? Look, I'm a man. I'm willing to admit it to you tonight, okay? Uh, sometimes we confuse things, don't we? And you can see in our world we have confused everything, and we understand where does confusion come from? Well, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. When there is confusion, you can do some spiritual forensics on whatever the situation is, and I promise you, you will find Satan's fingerprints. Why? Because God didn't author that. God authored a perfect creation. God offered, authored a wonderful man and a woman in a wonderful home. There was nothing confusion about it. And yet you look today, we have reached this state of confusion. Why? Well, because we have allowed Satan to enter in. If God is not the author, then who is? Well, it is Satan. Now, here's what I want you to get tonight as we, as we really get into this that we're going to try to cover through Wednesday nights in this entire year. Remember this truth, if you will. Confusion will always fill the void left by conviction. Confusion will always fill the void that is left by conviction. Meaning, when you have absolutes, that's what convictions are about, that we have absolute convictions that there is a man and absolute conviction that there is a woman, all right? There's no confusion there. When I was born, there was signs put up, I'm sure, that said, it's a boy. Why? Because that's what I was, and that's what I am. All right? When my daughter was born, we had the little signs, it's a girl. There was no question about that. And yet, watch this. When we begin to get away from absolutes, Absolute truth, absolute conviction. We begin to vacate convictions and spiritual truths from God's word. Guess what fills the void when we step away from conviction? Confusion. When we begin to back away from what thus saith the Lord and what God has established an absolute. Now, could I just interject right here? What God has said is an absolute. All right? Not what we heard from a preacher. Not what we heard from somebody else. What thus saith the Lord that God has defined as an absolute. When we begin to compromise and move away from conviction, we have just opened the door for confusion to enter in. All right? Remember, anytime you see confusion, that is because of Satan. Here's the definition of the word confusion. Instability, a state of disorder, disturbance, and confusion. There's a term, it originated in 1973, but it just came, became popular in our vernacular in America. It's the term gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria. It is where young people are literally struggling with whether or not they are the gender they were born with. Now, can I tell you something? I'm not knocking the young people. They're confused because we have allowed confusion to enter our country because we did not stand for the convictions of what thus saith the Lord. All right? Now look, I'm not going to pick on the young people tonight because our young people have been subjected to the confusion of the country that we're living in because too many of us did not stand for the convictions of what thus saith the Lord. I mean, I was not around when prayer got kicked out of school, but I'll promise you there were many Christians sitting on the sidelines of that conviction. Well, I'm just not politically involved. I don't get politically motivated. Can I tell you, our children today that, are, that have to go to a school that may not be a Christian school, 
They are subjected to things and they suffer things. Why? Because we did not stand on conviction. And now they are susceptible to all of that confusion. And as the term is used, dysphoria. Now, I want you to think about that tonight. Gender dysphoria. Now, I'm not going to preach on that at all. But I'm afraid that that same ideal has entered into the church in the United States of America. We have a dysphoria. See, what do you mean by that? We are confused about our identity. We do not know who we are and who, well, the Bible says what thus saith the Lord we are and what we should stand on. The reason we have so much confusion is because we backed away from conviction. You cannot let up on conviction of what thus saith the Lord. Not a personal opinion, but a biblical conviction. You cannot back away from that without opening the door to confusion. And you see churches today, I, I say this a lot, but I, I believe it. it's like Baskin-Robbins. They have 32 flavors. You can find more than 32 different flavors of churches out there. It's confusing. Why? Because at some point where we stood on what thus saith the Lord, we backed away from that. And the space that we gave up has given rise to confusion. So you say tonight, what does that have to do with anything of what we're doing? Well, I'm afraid the church has lost its identity. We don't know who we are. We establish our identity by how we feel, what we think, and what we've been told, rather than just go back to what our God preserved for us, which is his inspired, inerrant word of God. This is how we find out. Look, you want to know what a Christian is supposed to be? Let's just go to the word of God. Just go to the word of God. What does thus saith the Lord say? And if God said it, we stand by it as a conviction. Why? Because that's the only firewall to confusion. That's how we keep what thus saith the Lord as the standard by which we live, by standing upon that. Now, how do we clear this up tonight? How do we get to the place to find out what a Christian is supposed to be and what a church is supposed to be? It's very, very simple. I'm thankful tonight that if God is not the author of confusion, that means God is the God of order. And that God has a plan and God has a standard for us to live our life. I don't have to wonder what a Christian is supposed to do. I don't have to wonder what a Christian is supposed to be. I don't have to wonder how a Christian is supposed to live. Why? Because God has given us a standard. Now here's what I love tonight. And this is what we're going to be looking at all throughout the rest of the year. Hear me out. The standard is simple. Look at verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of what? The Son of God. Unto a perfect, that means complete, man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, we wonder, man, should I be this? Should I do this? Should I go there? Should I do this? Can I tell you how we know who we're supposed to be? We're supposed to measure up to the standard of Christ. Over the next few weeks and months, Lord willing, if the Lord should tarry, if he doesn't tarry, we don't have to worry about it at all. We're going to look at this thought of the character of Christ. And we are going to measure ourselves by the character of Christ. All right? Not by the opinion of Jeremiah Andrews. It's 50-50 sometimes at the best. Listen, my ideas and my opinions, listen, I might be passionate about some, some of them, but hear me out. Have you ever been sincerely wrong? I might be sincere about what I believe and what I like and what I think, but tonight, all that matters is that we measure up to the character of Christ. And if we as Christians tonight will back up to that spiritual door case, I think we've all done that before, right? My daughter has quit. She has quit. Every time she goes, it's the same pencil mark. She's discouraged. 
I thought she would be about her dad's height or a little bit shorter, and uh, evidently she got more of her mom's genes in there, and uh, I don't know that she's going to grow much anymore on there. She's gotten discouraged. She just measures herself up, and she realized she's coming up short. I believe tonight we're coming up short. And the answer is simple tonight. The character of Christ is how we measure up to the master to find out who we're supposed to be and how he'd have us to live. So tonight, I'm going to introduce what we're going to be looking at on Wednesdays throughout this year. And we're going to be looking at the character of Christ. And tonight, I'm going to show you why the character of Christ is so vital for us as we seek to move forward in the identity that God's called us to. So verse 13, watch what the Bible says. Till we all come... In the unity of the faith. Now, we preached out of this not too long ago. I'm not going to preach the same thing at all. But I want you to notice how God does this. If you look at verse number 12, he shows us the tools. If our teenage boys, our preacher boys were in here, here's a three-point sermon right here. Verse 12 is the tools. Uh, verse 13 is the task. Till we all come to the unity of faith. All right, so there's the tools. God uses all these people. Verse 11, there's the tools. Verse number 12, there's the task, the perfecting of the saints. And there's the target. In verse 13, the Christ. That's what we should be growing up to. But notice the beginning of verse 13. This is great. You ready? The Bible says, till we what? All come in the unity of the faith. I love this. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. What are we working toward? The end of verse 13. The fullness of Christ. So the Bible says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and we're working toward the fullness of Christ. Do you know what that tells me as a Christian? That tells me that tonight, number one, watch this. The reason, the character of Christ should be what we seek to measure to, number one tonight, because it's the answer for all. The Bible says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, this is wonderful. The Bible's telling us that Christ is the answer. That Christ is what we are looking for that we should measure up to. I remember as a teenager, I heard a lot of preachers preach. Boy, my dad would take me to conferences and uh, different revivals and uh, uh, all over the place. Boy, hearing some of the, the, the pre- matter of fact, came here to Central many years and heard a lot of the guys here preach that would travel all over the country and great evangelists and uh, what a blessing it was. And man, you'd hear this one preacher and man, you remember back when they called them movie houses? Do you remember that? They would preach about movie houses. You're like, man, I've never heard that. Well, I remember that. That was a good one. I meant skating rinks, you know, and uh, boy, talking about, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to go here and then this. We're not going to go there. And man, after a while, your head is so full of so many things. Boy, all right, not supposed to eat popcorn. I'm not sure. What was it? You know, and you're writing that down. And was it popcorn or was it the company? You're not sure. And boy, you're like, well, I've got so many things that I've heard. Boy, maybe we shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Can I tell you? To accomplish the will of God, it's simple. The answer for all, the standard is Christ. That we seek to reach that measure of that standard of Christ. And we reach the standard of Christ, that's the sufficiency we should seek. I'm not seeking to impress this pastor. I'm not seeking to live up to this creed. I'm not seeking to fulfill that fad. I'm simply trying to measure up to the standard of Christ. And let me tell you something, there is no creed and there is no fad that will overshadow the character of Christ. If I just seek to work for that. But watch this, if you will. He says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now you say, well, that's quite a blanket statement. You're saying that Christ is the answer? Anytime there's confusion, I believe that. I believe that. Give an example. Tonight, maybe you have, a, uh, you, know, you have an argument with your husband, he doesn't take out the garbage, or maybe he didn't listen to your directions, and y'all got lost, and man, rah, 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 and, you go, rah, 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 and there's just confusion going on. You say, well, how can Christ help there? 
Christ was never married. Christ doesn't know what it's like to live with her. Christ doesn't know what it was like to live with him. How can Christ be the answer for all? Because he says, till we all come. It's the answer for all of us. So how can Christ be the answer for all of us? Because Ephesians 5 says that me as a husband, I'm supposed to love my wife, watch, as Christ. When there's confusion in the home, can I tell you the answer is Christ. That as a husband, I measure up to Christ. The best husband I can be is what I'm seeking to live up to the character of Christ. You're like, all the wives are like, amen. Boy, you missed a good opportunity to amen right there. All right? But what does it say about wives? Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband as unto who? The Lord. There it is again. It's the standard of Christ. And oh, if the wife would seek to live and represent Christ, and the husband seeks to live and represent Christ, can I tell you something? You can't get any better than that. You see, it's the answer for all. I think about how often with our children, you know, Man, I tell you, you know, I, I had mine sitting beside me today, and we just had a little long talk there in the office, and no, she wasn't in trouble. We just had a life talk, you know. Every once in a while, she comes in and get counsel from Dad, too, and we're sitting there, and we're talking. And Do you know what the answer for our children is? It's the character of Christ, seeking our children to live up to the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you know that? Let me give you, let me give you scripture. Colossians 3.20, the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Amen. In all things. Amen. Listen close. For this is well-pleasing unto who? The Lord. You see, even our children's obedience is tied back to the measure of Christ. It's pleasing to the Lord. At camp, we have a Q&A. We started that last summer, and it goes really well, and it's amazing this, the questions the kids turn in. And uh, one of the kids asks a question. It says, how do you respect and honor an authority in your life that isn't living honorably? Boy, what a question. What a question. That was his honor thy father and thy mother. But wait a minute. What if, what if your father, what if your mother isn't living a godly life? So we begin to walk through authority and what the Bible says about authority and they're ordained of God. And I said, you know that he may not be living honorably, but his position is honorable because it's of God. And watch this. When you honor your father, you're honoring God. You see, it goes back to Christ. You're pleasing him. Pleasing him. You think about how many times, just, just imagine this with me, okay? Let's use our imagination tonight for a few minutes. Imagine how doing what Christ says or being what Christ said that we sh should be would make a difference in some confusion you have in your life right now. All right, so let's use our imagination. I want you to go ahead and pull something out of your mind that is bringing contention or confusion in your life, all right? It may be your spouse, maybe your children, maybe your job, it may be your neighbor, it could be anything. It could be your pastor, it could be anything. All right, you got it? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine tonight what living up to the standard of Christ would do to change that confusion. You ever ran across somebody at a gas station or a store and they looked like they were or acted like they were having a bad day? Yeah? You know, they're kind of rude to you. Drive around. You know, we're out of that. We don't have any of that. Ice cream machine's broken at McDonald's. It always is. Boy, you're just looking at them and Suddenly, what do you want to do? Well, if you're anything like me, you want to give them a piece of your mind. You know, I'm a paying customer, and the customer's always right. You're supposed to be nice to me, and you want to give them a piece of your mind. But wait a minute. What usually happens when we give people a piece of our mind? Does it help the confusion? 
or does it hurt the confusion? Now, wait a minute. What would happen instead of giving them a piece of our mind if we gave them a piece of Christ's mind? Would that change the confusion? Absolutely. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion, but of what? Of peace. That when we all of a sudden adopt the mind of Christ, as a matter of fact, when you read what the Bible tells us, the Bible says, look, every man not on his own things, but on the things of others. And the very next verse says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. You see, when we're seeking to live up to the standard of Christ, and little boy, I want to tell you tonight, this is something I'm working on. We seek to live up to the standard of Christ. All of a sudden, it begins to make peace out of our confusion. Why? Because that's what God said it would do. Notice the answer for all. What's the answer for all? What's Christ? Whatever the problem is tonight, the answer is Christ. The Bible says this, watch, Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Do you know why Christ is the answer for all? Because he overcame all. He was tempted. Everything you and I will ever be tempted with, Christ was tempted with and overcame. So here's what he's saying. It worked for him. It'll work for you. When we seek to live up to that standard of Christ. Give me the illustration. There's a man I led to Christ years ago in Louisiana. His name was Scotty. Uh, and Scotty was just about an atheist. I mean, he had given up on religion, given up on church. And the only reason he was at church is he told a co-worker that he would come. That was the only reason. Scotty comes in. He didn't like preachers very much. And hey, understand that. He comes in and sits down. I go over to greet him, shake his hand. He's just kind of looking up at me. Hey, Scotty, good to see you. Nice to meet you. After church was over, I invited Scotty to go to Catfish Charlie's, which is on, uh, on the highway there from U, down the road from ULM. We're sitting there and beginning to talk to Scotty about the Lord, his relationship with the Lord, and found out Scotty was lost as a goose, needed to be saved. Boy, right there that Sunday afternoon, Scotty got saved in Catfish Charlie's. Not the you know, most dynamic testimony, but he got saved after we had some fillets and hush puppies. It was a good day. Boy, Scotty got saved and began coming to church. Matter of fact, he just, he's in heaven now. He had, his birthday was yesterday, and I remember I went over to see Scotty one day, and Scotty, uh, uh, Scotty was dealing with uh, saying the right words. Can we put it that way? Sometimes the wrong words would come out of his mouth, uh, you know, and I think probably uh, a lot of new, new converts maybe struggle with that a little bit. And so I'm over at Scotty's house. I'm talking with him, and we're carrying on. He says, you know what I did to help me? I says, what, Scotty? He says, look behind you. And so I looked behind him, and above his entrance door of his house, he had a printed piece, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper on there, on, on, above his door, and it says, talk like Jeremiah's here. All right. He, he knew Christ was a little too high of a standard for him, and so he lowered the standard to me and said, okay, I'm going to try to get there first, and then I'll step up to be like Christ. But I thought, how wonderful. He was so concerned about his life, he posted a reminder above his door. Talk like Jeremiah is here because evidently his wife says, it's amazing how you don't use those words when the pastor's here. I hope none of you in here are like that, but uh, I think the temptation's there. Can I tell you something? Well, we ought to put a sign above our door that says measure up to the character of Christ. If we go out our door, before you go out your door tomorrow, let's measure up to the character of Christ. Why? That's the answer for all. That the lady at the Chevron would see Christ in you. That the lady at Dollar General, your co-worker, would see Christ in you. I fail miserably at this at times. Because I know that after 
an encounter with people. Sometimes they didn't see Jesus, they saw me. And they don't need to see me. They need to see Jesus. So number one tonight, notice the character of Christ is the answer for all. Listen to what Romans 13, 14 says. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I couldn't help but think about this verse tonight as I was getting ready. I was getting ready to leave the office, kind of cold outside, and so I put an overcoat over my coat to go home. Watch. It's cold outside, or it's cool. The older I get, the colder I get. I told somebody the other day, do you know that three quarters of the word cold is old? The older I get, the colder I get. There's, there's something there. Somebody study that out scientific-like, okay? I put my coat on because the circumstances demanded that I put on something different. Right? The shirt I was wearing was just a thin dress shirt and I wanted it to be warmer. The circumstances demanded that I put on something different. You see what I'm saying? Now watch this. Can I tell you, the circumstances we're living in, in this world, demands we put on something different. They don't need to see us. They don't need to see another hypocrite. They don't need to see another angry Christian. They need to see Christ. But the Bible says, watch this, Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like when we get dressed, come to church, we have to decide what we're going to put on. We've got to decide, what am I going to let live through me today? Is the world going to see another Jeremiah Andrews? Or are they going to see Jesus Christ? Oh, folks, they got to see Jesus. Because when he comes back, he's not coming back to go soul winning with us. When he comes back, he's coming back to take us home. So number one tonight, why is the character of Christ so important? Here's what we're going to be doing. Uh, if you took one of the packets on Vision Sunday, we have the character of Christ, some devotional helps for our families. They're printed off here. I want to encourage our families, just take one of those a week, study that out with your kids, study that with your spouse. And we're going to look at different characters, not just these in order, but some different ones. And we're going to look at the character of Christ one per week. Why? Because that's how they see Jesus. The more of his character, the less of ours. So number one tonight. The answer for all, the Bible says in verse 14, that we henceforth, verse 13, till we all come. Till we all. That's the answer for all of us tonight. It's Christ. But then watch this. The Bible says, in unity of the faith and, in the, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, watch what happens here. It's the answer for all of us. Christ, just try to live up to Christ. That's the answer for your marriage, your children, your co-workers. Just live up to the standard of Christ. But then notice how we get there. The Bible says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, what does knowledge have to do with? Well, knowledge has to do with education. This growing to the standard of the measure of Christ, the Bible says at the end of verse number 13, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How do we get there? Well, it's an educational process. It's educational. You've got to come to that knowledge. By the way, could I just put this right here? It's not an elective. I remember when I was in college, I took a full load my first three years, as much as I was allowed to take. That way, my fourth year, I could take it a little bit easier. And I had all these classes my fourth year, and then a lot of them were electives. And I asked my recruiter, Brother Ronnie, I said, Brother Ronnie, do I have to take that? You know, look, I, I have yet to use uh, pre-calculus uh, in the pulpit, all right? It scares me. I said, Brother Ronnie, do I need to take pre-calculus and calculus and all that? No, no, you're good. So, well, then no, thank you. Uh, I don't need that. I would rather take another semester of Greek. I'd rather take another semester of Bible interpretation, whatever it is. But I didn't want to take that. Why? I didn't want that knowledge. I mean, when you start adding numbers and letters, I just don't know about all that. But hear me out. When it comes to the knowledge of Christ, number two tonight, the character of Christ is an expected education. Watch what he says. The Bible says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, till we all come in the unity of faith, 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, look, when you start realizing that the knowledge of Christ is expected by God, that's kind of discouraging, isn't it? Man, God expects me to learn all this. God expects me to adopt the characteristics of Christ. You look on this list tonight, there's truthful, there's virtuous, there's spirit-led, uh, there's diligent. All, I, I've got to learn all of that? That's, that's what's expected. The Bible says, till we all come to what? The knowledge of the Son of God. But here's the good news. When he's talking about knowledge, he knows we have to grow into it. We have to grow into it. Uh, I was thinking about uh, when I was a kid. My dad was telling a story the other day to somebody. I always wanted to shoot my dad's muzzleloader. He had kind of a, a Davy Crockett Kentucky rifle. The thing looked about eight feet long. I mean, rather than just shoot something, you just knock it out of the tree with it. It was just so long. And dad would shoot that gun, and smoke would come out. Fire would come out. You know, and I watched Daniel Boone. And that's what dad, I wanted to shoot that so bad. And so dad's out there one day, and he's loading it up, packing the powder, putting the ball down in there, you know. And I wanted to shoot that so bad. And dad says, okay, you want to shoot it? I'll let you shoot it. Kind of like the vanilla with Miley the other day. I sit down. Dad had an 86 Ford F-150, still over at the camp. That was my first truck. And he said, here, sit, sit behind the truck, kind of brace yourself on the bumper of the truck. I'm thinking, why don't you brace myself? You know, I'm a man. I'm like 11 years old. Dad packed it down, you know. I'm sitting there, Kentucky rifle had a had a, a cut in the butt of the gun. It was brass, you know, just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I pulled that trigger. And all the muscles that I had could not contain what that gun wanted to do. It wanted to go that way. And I'm holding on to it, and all of a sudden, I fired it. It goes up in the air, and what does it do? Well, I, I sat near the truck to brace myself. It slammed my head against the bumper of the truck. <laughs> I realized that as much as I wanted to shoot that gun and as much as I wanted to be that level of a man, I was not ready for that yet. I was going to have to grow into shooting that one. I don't think I ever shot it again. I was like, no, I'm good. I don't need to do that. You know, I didn't need to anymore. I, you know, already done that. Check the list. I'm a man now. I don't have to shoot it again. There are some things, watch, that will come easier to you and come earlier to you. Boy, there's some things in the character of Christ you're going to have to grow into. That's why he says, watch, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. 2 Peter 3.18, what does the Bible say? But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look, God knows our state. God knows our frame. He knows who we are. And he knows we have to grow into the character of Christ. Aren't you glad he doesn't demand it of us on day one? I love in Matthew 4, he says, follow me and I will make you. He knew they weren't there yet, but he knew if they just kept following them, that they'd become what he wanted them to become. But they had to keep following. You see, it's continuing your education. Deciding that not only do I want salvation, I want the education, the last part of the great commission to become what God's called me to be. Now folks, I think this is where we leave off tonight. We get saved and we're excited about that, but we don't move on to what God has for us next. There's a man my mom and dad prayed for many years. Miss Deborah knows him well. He's in heaven now, but she knew him well. His name was Patrick. My mom and dad prayed for Patrick to get saved for years. He was a local, he was, he was a drug addict, he was alcoholic, you name it. I mean, he told me once after he got saved that he used to pour vanilla extract through three pieces of bread just to get enough alcohol so he could get a buzz. I mean, this guy had tried it all. Paint, you name it. He had done it all. And boy, he educated me on those bus rides. I would drive the bus to pick him up. And boy, he'd fill me in oh, more than I ever wanted to know. 
Right after Patrick got saved, he was my soul winning partner one day. I remember I was like, thanks, Dad. He's, Dad's watching tonight. Thanks. You know, I'm going out with this wild man who everybody in the community knows. Everybody knows him. So now I'm keeping company with this guy, okay? Kind of felt like Jesus, you know, keeping company with these. No, anyway, so me and Patrick going down the road together. We, got, we finished our soul winning, and I said, Patrick, I need a haircut. You got time for that? He says, yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to go in. OB's Barbershop uh, in Prentice, I think on Highway 13 it was. So I go in OB's, he's sitting out front and get my hair cut and come back out. And, and, and Patrick is sitting there and he's witnessing to someone. I'm so excited. And as he's witnessing to him, he bums a cigarette off the guy and they just light up and smoke together while he's witnessing to him. Now, we didn't talk about it before we went out that day, but I was kind of like, probably not something you want to do while you're witnessing to somebody. You know, hey, you know, he, he just having a good old time. Hey, I'm telling him about Jesus. Patrick had some growing to do. All right? You and I have some growing to do. But hear me out. Even though the character of Christ is an educational process, it's an expected process. The character of Christ is not something you're like, I'm not worried about growing into that. I've got my fire insurance. I'm all the way to heaven. No, no, no. It's required. Watch. Till we all come in the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what God expects of us. Now, here's what we say. Here's our excuse. I'm world class. I can give an excuse as good as the next person. That's not who I am. I had somebody tell me that the other day. I said, well, look, you're going to have to handle this this way, and I know that is not your personality, but you're going to have to do it this way. That's not who I am. Okay, I'm glad we can admit that, amen? But it's who we're supposed to be. It's who we're supposed to be. When Paul says he became all things to all men, it didn't mean Paul was a compromiser. What Paul meant was, hey, I'm going to do my best to grow into the character of Christ, do all that I can to reach that, that I might save some. That's what he said. So for us tonight to say, hey, that's not who I am. You know what? I had a lady in my church years ago. She looked at me and she said, Brother Jeremiah, just tell it like it is. I've known a lot of people like that. Just tell it like it is. And yet she wondered why in the church she found it hard to be a good soul winning partner. Like why? Because you tell everybody how it is. Brother Jeremiah, I don't sugarcoat things, Brother Jeremiah, and super sweetly, I love her to death. I just, I just tell it like it is. Can I tell you something? Maybe rather than tell it like it is, maybe we should tell it like it should be through the character of Christ. So before I tell it, watch this, I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell it like Jesus would tell it. It's not what would Jesus do, it's what did Jesus do, because he set the example for us to follow. What are we going to do? Well, Realize this is an expected education. As we go through the character of Christ this year, understand it's expected of God. Hebrews 5.12, that's what the Bible says. For when, ye, for, when, for, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. What is he saying? He says, look, there should come a time to where no longer are you on the bottle, but now you're eating meat, and you can teach others how to eat meat. He says, but you never grew. You just got saved, and you sat. And now, instead of you teaching others, the Bible says you don't know enough about the Word of God. You're, you can't eat meat. You're having to get the bottle again. So tonight, number two, the character of Christ. Stick with me, all right? It's an expected education. He says, till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. But finally, see this before we close tonight. Till we all come to the unity of faith, all right? Till we all, notice that's the answer tonight, measure up to the character of Christ. 
and the knowledge of the Son of God. It's an expected education. Finally, look at the last part. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature, and I want you to see these next two words, the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. Now, in order for his character to shine through, our character's got to fade back. All right? We can't be full of Christ and full of self. What does that mean? It means this. The character of Christ is a certain surrender. In order to be full of him, we must be empty of self. It's kind of like our cars. We go to fill up our cars, and we put that pump in there, and we start pumping. And after a while, that little thing clicks. It means our car is full, right? We have slowly just put it all in there and all in there. And finally, sometimes you're not careful. It bubbles out on your shoes. Isn't that horrible? And you get in your car and you smell gasoline in your car. Realize your shoes are covered together. Anybody ever done that? I do it all the time. It's horrible. Don't strike a match. Glad I'm not riding with Dale anymore, right? Bursting the flames. You see, it was empty. And in order for it to be filled, it had to continue. You had to continue. Do you know why so often we do not reach this place of the fullness of Christ? Developing the character of Christ is we don't continue. We don't continue. We give up. We quit. We get tired. Uh, I've been picking with the staff. They come in and they'll meet throughout the week. And I've been counting how many times I use the word feel and, and the phrase, I feel. Have anybody else done that this week? You'd be amazed at how many times you use that term, I feel. Tell the staff, man, sometimes you just don't feel like it, man. I feel, you feel tired. What do you want to do? You want to quit. The only way you'll reach the place of the fullness of Christ and adopting the character of Christ is you've got to continue. You've got to work at it. I mean, I'm looking down the list tonight, thinking about some that might be, all right, right here, three-quarters of the way down. Oh, patience on here. Yeah, well, that'll make you want to quit, won't it? You say, yeah, you ever met my kids? You ever met my spouse? You know where I work? Well, you look down here, motivated. You watch the news for five minutes. It's hard to get motivated for Christ. And after a while, you just want to quit. But listen to me. In order to reach the fullness, you've got to surrender over. Hey, I want to surrender over how I feel. Surrender over how I think. I can't help but think about Stephen tonight. The Bible says Stephen was full of faith, full of power. You read the testimony of Stephen. How did Stephen get so full? How did he get so full? You know one thing we're all good at, or at least I'm good at? I know how to get full when I'm eating. I didn't realize the other night when I was cheering on Sam Williamson. Man, little Sam over there, you know, bidding on a bread pudding. Old Sam's over there bidding $100. I'm like, whoa. I asked Miss Brittany, I said, is there not a clearance aisle to this thing? You know, when I go to Walmart, I look for the yellow stickers. There were no yellow stickers up here the other night. Sam bids $100. I'm like, whoa, go ahead, Sam. Somebody bid over here, bread pudding, 150. I'm like, go ahead, buddy. Brother Sam, thank you for supporting our teams. $200. And I'm thinking, whoa, does your mom and dad know you're doing that? I look back at his mom. His mom shook his head, her head. $250. I'm thinking, bless your heart. I'm thinking this kid's got a pickle jar full of quarters under his bed. He's fixing to give it to Jesus. After it's all over. My wife comes up behind me. She says, would you give Sam your credit card? I said, yeah, why? She goes, well, I bought the bread pudding. I said, well, I would have quit encouraging him if I knew we were buying it. $250. I'm going to tell you something. 
At our house, we've been cutting it in thin slices. No, my wife's been giving it away. She's been cutting slices for people that she knows would want some and putting them in little containers. I'm like, that's 50 bucks. She had one on the dash of the car. We pulled out to go deliver it to somebody, and all of a sudden it slid across the dash. His head toward the floor. I'm hitting the brakes. I'm like, 75 bucks. Been hit the floor. But she did save some for us. And boy, I get home in the evening. Well, the last two nights we had choir practice and all these things going on. We didn't get home until 9 o'clock. Well, I'll get home and microwave some of that with a cup of coffee. Then I'll go in and get some more. Why? Number one, I pay 250 bucks for it. And I just keep eating until I'm full. Just keep eating until I'm full. Tonight, we know how to get full of food, don't we? But I think we need to work on getting full of Christ. That's why we printed these off just for our folks. You know what? I'm going to work this week right here. I'm going to work on being virtuous. I'm going to work on being loving, joyful. Boy, joyful is something put on my heart lately about doing better with joyful. I don't know of any way that you can show Christ better. Boy, let people see it on your countenance. The Lord is the health of our countenance. Let them see the joy that we have and the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I'm just going to take one. I'm, I'm going to get this one. And I'm going to chew on this one for a while. And then I'm going to chew on this one for a while. Why? Because I want to get full. Not full of my belly and full of myself, but full of Christ. Full of Christ. Can I tell you tonight, the answer for all is an encounter with Christ. That's the answer for all. For your home, your children, any confusion, the answer is Christ. Just say, okay, in my response to that person, I'm going to try to do better to speak to them, watch, after I put on Christ. How would Christ speak to them? That's the answer. It's the answer for all. But remember, the education, it's mandatory. We've all got to grow in our knowledge of who Christ is so we can live up to that standard. Why? Because when we get to the place where we've quit growing, we get to the place where we quit surrendering over self, that's just one area where people are not going to see Jesus. And right now, that's what our world needs. Amen? The character of Christ, next week we'll look at the first one and get into one per week. We're not going to give you too much at one time, but we've got to get this tonight. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.